Welcome everyone to the Anna Tong podcast, the podcast on healing, spirituality, and self growth. I am Anna. Thank you wholeheartedly for being here. I am so, so grateful for you. Join me as I interview and learn from transformational coaches, leaders, healers, psychics, friends, and more. So today I have a very, very special guest, and it is Justin. Justin is an healer, inner work coach, and hypnotist. Um, I just feel really grateful to have you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really, I'm really excited and like a little nervous, but this is really, really cool. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. So I usually ask all my guests, what are the three things that you are grateful for? So what are you thinking right now? I'm grateful to be on this podcast. You know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that life is good. And I'm grateful that I've learned all these different tools and techniques and I, I've learned all these different lessons, you know, a hypnosis, releasing, what, what have you. And uh, I feel like I'm in a place where I can really make a difference. So I'm grateful for that. Wow, that's amazing. So what what's the lesson that really recently stood out to you? Well, actually, I was just sharing um, about this uh, off off the record. Um, so just taking a walk today. And I, I like to listen to affirmations with some binaural beats. So it just kind of goes in easier, relaxes you. And I just had this moment. Um, I don't know, it was my unconscious mind. Maybe it was a divine thing. Who knows? But I just had this thought of, there is nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong. And it really hit me and I teared up and, and, you know, I was in a trance. So, but it just really hit me and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like that's so powerful. Um, there's nothing wrong with me. So that was a very recent one. Yeah. And I think that is such a huge revelation. Um, since that I guess maybe it's just society's expectations or like the way that we'll, we've been brought up, there could be times where we might think that there's something wrong with us and we need fixing. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot that goes into this, you know, definitely societal programming, religious programming, um, what your family tells you, culture, you know, there's so many different influences um, and one perspective or one um, to narrow it down to one point is the, is the family. And so when we're like, uh, when we're younger, ages one through eight, we're essentially in a trance state, meaning we just take suggestions as they come. Our, our prefrontal cortex is not developed. Um, so whatever our parents say, um, there are, you know, those are the words of God, essentially. 
and we model them. They're they're our caretakers. Um, they're basically our survival uh, kit, so to speak. You know, we depend on them for survival. So, like ages one through eight, we're very suggestible. And if the family unit is not healthy, right? Is there if there's dysfunction? If there's things that you know your parents haven't healed themselves and they're not aware. Well, they're just modeling that to you, right? If they're carrying toxic shame, they're going to unconsciously pour that toxic shame uh, to you and to other people. So um, there's a lot of developmental trauma, right? And trauma is really just a disconnect of self. And when we have that disconnect um, with ourselves, with our parents, uh, then we, we start to shame ourselves, and this isn't like a, on a conscious level, right? We just kind of feel like there's something wrong. Like there's like, I just don't, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think as children, people, like as children, we don't really understand that like, um, wait, sorry, I just lost the thought. I think all I was trying to say was children take it personally and yes. don't, know that oh it's you know they're separate from their family and what the the family's actions might not necessarily be related to what they were doing so yes that's a really really good point and I'm glad you brought that up um you know yeah we take we take it personally it's like if, if if our parents get divorced somehow we feel like it's our fault so um I I believe it's called a fantasy bond and because again, our, our caretakers, our parents are our survival. We depend on them. We, mm. we have to have them to survive, um, evolutionarily speaking, um, for food, for uh, emotional connection, all that stuff. And because, um, because we depend on them, then we have to view them as they are right, right? They hold our survival. So our parents are right. And we have to be wrong. So we create this fantasy bond. So it doesn't really matter what the parents do. They are the gods. They are, um, they are in the right and we're in the wrong. And it's not, this is something that's not logical, right? We just, like you said, we, you know, we just take it personally as children. And we, we don't have these tools. We're not like meditating and journaling. And let me challenge that thought, right? Like there's nothing like that. Um, yeah. We're just kind of internalizing everything. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. (laughs) Um, But yeah. I feel like... Go ahead. Oh, you go. Yeah, and so so, um, I, just to kind of tie it into my story, you know, I grew up, I'm, I'm in Texas, I'm in the States, if you can't tell by my accent. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I grew up pretty comfortable, right? It, you know, my parents did pretty well, um, not to be like super racist. I think Asians are, are pretty hardworking in general, at least like first generation Asians, you know, and um, they're pretty good at math and engineering and things like that. So usually, generally speaking, Asians get some secure jobs. So, you know, I, I grew up pretty comfortable. But um but the family was not healthy, right? And I grew up feeling like I was not enough. 
and I couldn't pinpoint it. I didn't know what it was. I just grew up really like afraid. I didn't like to do things that up, you know, upset people. Right. I was a pretty nice kid, but like very um, didn't want to rock the boat. Um, people pleasing, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I just throughout my life, I just like couldn't really figure out like I just wanted to figure out what was wrong with me. Like, how could I how could I be better? You know, and so I did what any like logical person would do is uh, major in psychology and try to figure <laughs> out, you know, what's wrong with me? How could I be better? Right. And, and I did that. Um, it helped. Uh, but what ended up happening was I actually um, dove into religion. And mm. that was a big part of my life. And religion is great. It, it, it provides you a sense of community, which we need. It provides you uh, with shared values. It provides you with certainty and dogma. And we all need certainty in some way. And a belief in a higher power, which is great. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are limitations. Let's just say that. I'm not, I'm not here yep. to bash religion. I, I, I feel like it wasn't healthy for me. And so um, not knowing that I was codependent, that I had all this toxic shame, and that uh, I needed to do a lot of emotional work, not knowing any of those things, um, I became unconsciously addicted to religion. And so mm -hmm. I just poured myself into that. Um, totally disconnected from my body, completely in my head. And, and so I was a Christian. I was, ex I, I'm a even, I was an evangelical. And evangelicals tend to really emphasize um, like doctrine and dogma and reading and being in your head and philosophy and all these things. And it just made it worse. You know, it just made me less connected to my body. Yeah. And um, eventually, I believe um, it was your last guest who also uh, hinted at this. Eventually, I had this heartbreak and it was just so painful. I just I, I didn't know, like I didn't. The religion didn't have the answers. I was just so in so much yeah. pain. And I was like, I've done the church stuff. I know everything. I know all the good Sunday school answers. I know the Bible. I've read the Bible. You know, like I know most more than most people. But why am I suffering so badly here? Right. And so that started me on a journey, maybe like um, four years ago, maybe five. About four to five years ago, where I just started to look outside of the church. And I started to um, stumble across like mindfulness, the body, yeah. welcoming and allowing um, the chakra system. And keep in mind now, like this stuff um, to a evangelical is like demonic. <laughs> this is like, this is like totally like I like you're gonna go to hell. You're aligning yourself with demons if you talk about chakras. <laughs> So it was a hard time, but wow. but there came a point. Um, we were doing this this uh, work where it kind of it's supposed to elicit emotions in you, like it's literally supposed to trigger things, right? And mm -hmm. what you do is you look into um, another person's eyes while you're standing, and you just kind of stare and and feel into each other's energies as you do that, and it brings up a lot of shit. Yeah, part of my French, and. Some at one point, something just broke. Like I, I just had this moment where all this anger exploded. 
And I didn't know what was going on. I literally thought I was demon possessed because I, I, I never thought of myself as an angry person ever. I was so nice. I'm not angry. I'm so chill. You know, people like me and all that stuff. I like people. I never saw, saw myself as an angry person at all, but I was repressing it this entire time. And so like, I just, all this anger came up and I'm like, what is going on? Like, th this is, what is this? And um, from there, you know, I started to learn about mindfulness and Sedona method and releasing. The more work I did, the more these emotions just started to come up, the more um, I got in my body and, and it just, um, it was a crazy trip. And so, yeah, I'll probably just stop right there. I've been talking a lot, but um, <laughs> yeah. And so now here I am. And um, so right now, what do you feel like was, I guess, right now, how do you feel about that situation? Like just looking back yeah. at your stories. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you asked that because this is another like great lesson, right? Um, that that I need to repeat to myself because you don't know how the story is going to end. When we're in the pain and suffering, we're we're so focused on that one point of suffering and pain and we just keep going back and focusing on that. Like, no, I'm in suffering, I'm in pain and there's nothing else. And we just like, we're missing um, the forest for, for this one tree, right? Yeah. And so um, when I was going through that breakup, that heart heartbreak, I was only focused on that, right? But looking back, it was like, oh, that was the catalyst for an amazing journey within, for an amazing personal development journey where I learned these things. And looking back, I'm like, oh my God, it had to happen. Like in some, like like in a, in a, in a meta way, in a philosophical way, it's like, oh my gosh, like this had to happen for me to get here and I'm like I'm so grateful that that breakup was the best thing that ever happened to me <laughs> you know from this yeah. perspective now afterwards when I was in it it was the worst thing ever I was you know like oh my god where are you you know but now now that I'm in here from a different perspective having done the work and, and now looking back in hindsight it's like yeah this is that was the best thing that ever happened to me so yeah it's really about taking the lessons and sharing them with others after you have been through um, a really, really difficult and challenging time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I got started, right? It was born out of my own pain. But I mean, as you and I know, like people who, who go into the coaching world or um, inner work, spirituality, what have you, um, you know, we're, we're generally like caring, helping people and, and pretty empathetic. Mm -hmm. And so I just, even though I always had a kind of a sense of wanting to help others and, and being drawn into psychology and spirituality, um, you know, once you start to do this work, you kind of, you just get, get to empathize with other people who are in like similar situations you know, you're like, you see yourself in them like, oh, man, like, I really, I really feel for that person. I want to help them. And so, mate, like, at first, it, it, it is born out of, like, my own pain. And then you start to feel other people's pain. And you mm -hmm. start to relate to them, you know. So. 
Definitely. A lot of the problems that we have really are like, sorry, I was, <laughs> was going to say that like our、um, problems are all really, really similar. So、yes. when we're, you know, when we're suffering, we'll think that, oh, we are the only one who feels that way. And、yes. everyone has that perfect light. Life as displayed in like social media, but then、yeah. when you start talking to the people around you, we're all、um, dealing with really, really similar problems. And it's really about how do we see it as a gift? How do we detach from the emotions, or how do we even release and feel the emotions so that we can free ourselves from the past? Yeah, yeah, that's a great. Great question, and you know the the answer is simple but not easy.、Mm. And this is just my perspective. I'm always learning and growing.、Um, there has to be some grief work, and what I mean by that is feeling not not jetting from from the emotions and the body, right? But really staying centered, present with your emotions. So even before that, right, we want to be aware of what's going on、uh, in our emotional state, what's going on in our body, what are our thoughts, and once we're aware, then we can start to get present with our emotions. And that's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy.、Um, all of us, because there's there's some uncomfortable emotions for sure,、mm. and so many of us、um, will. We'll go to TV or porn or、um, junk food or partying or even working, whatever it is.、Um, all these things are avenues to escape the emotion. And now, like granted, like we need an escape sometimes. It's not inherently wrong. We we need that.、Uh, the problem is if we're addicted to that thing and we're constantly, unconsciously,、um, going to food, sex, work to fulfill that need to escape. And so the first thing is the awareness, getting into our bodies, staying with the emotion, being present, and that's uncomfortable. But if we start to really feel into that pain and the uncomfortable feelings, there may be a layer of acceptance that comes in. We can start to notice that, oh wait a second, I'm not dying. It's just a feeling. Okay, and we can maybe start to detach ourselves. Um, from the meaning that we're putting on this feeling, so once we start to really feel through the pain, naturally, our bodies, our minds will naturally begin to process that hurt, and it'll just eventually dissolve and let go and transmute. And most of the time, it's really about feeling the emotions instead of. Avoiding them or like jumping into your mind and、yeah. distracting yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's hard work. Yeah,、um, and I'm a very analytical person, and so,、um, you know, I'll go into my mind all the time, and this goes back to awareness. You know,、um, just developing, have the intention of I'm going to be aware of what's going on in my head. Uh, journaling is great. Mindfulness,、yes. any kind of meditation is great. Just to start to observe and become aware. And once you raise your awareness, 
you can start to change. So. Yeah, that's really powerful. How just having that self-awareness can really change or let us see it from another perspective. Yeah. Yes. You're you're 100% right. I don't know if you were going to uh, if I interrupted you you were going to go something somewhere with that. Oh no, you can continue. <laughs> no, no, that's that's I'll let that's you know huge. when I have something to say. Yeah, so so um how I started was mindfulness. And really all you have to do is you don't even have to make it complicated, right? It's not you don't we don't have to complicate this. How I started was literally 3 minutes of meditation because I was so depressed and I had so much resistance and undisciplined. And even now, like I'm, I'm not like the most disciplined person, but I just started with three minutes of meditation. That's it. And once you start to build that habit of awareness, I, I'm glad you brought that up. It's like you're able to, when you're able to observe something, your thoughts and your feelings, there's this space that's created. Once that space is created, you can actually take different perspectives. It's like, it's almost like you're viewing the situation from a third party perspective. Yes. Or like imagine or conceptualize that your thoughts and feelings are like a book in this bookshelf and you're just kind of looking at it, right? Um, and once you do that, yeah, like it's like you can take all these different perspectives. Yeah, it's like zooming out of the situation that you're in. Yeah, that's a cool technique. That's actually a really cool technique I've been experimenting with here and there. That is really cool. I, I love it as well. I've actually been doing a meditation that was quite similar where you like observe the space in between your thoughts. Ooh. I recommend space. it. Try just observe the space in between your thoughts and you and so it's like every time you have a thought, you just allow it to pass and focus on the space uh, between the thought. Yeah, I'm trying it right now. I'm getting pissed. That's what I'm noticing. Ooh, I don't know why. that's interesting. Yeah, I know. It's like it might be the part of me that's um, trying to get it right, trying to, yeah. trying to do the exercise correctly, you know? So... Or even yeah. if you want to do it with your breath as well, you can do it with your breath. So you're just yeah. breathing. So instead of focusing on your breath, which is what most meditations do, um, I mean, you can do that as well. That's really great for mindfulness. But also focusing like the space in between each breath. Yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. And it's just zen and like silence like it's like you're really present in the moment when that happens you're like yeah. tapped into right now it's beautiful i'm like are you outside because that was a perfect moment because i'm like i'm hearing birds chirping and like that's <laughs> no. like that's so I'm great. inside. A bird okay. just flew by. Okay, that was perfect. That was great. It was like the stillness and like hear the birds chirping. In fact, all of this could be like a hypnotic induction. 
Oh, and what exactly is that? Can you explain yeah. a bit more? Yeah, and so uh, let me preface it by saying mindfulness and hypnosis are very similar. They're like close cousins. And my work as a hypnotist is to create a suggestible state, a suggestible resource state to where we can take in positive suggestions easily and just kind of talk to the subconscious mind, right? Because um, a lot of times we feel uh, resistance. We have a subconscious belief. And we're trying to change it consciously, but that's going to bring up more resistance. You can still do it. It's just a, um, a harder path. And so me as a hypnotist, I put people in a relaxed state, a trance state, similar to where when we were ages one through eight, we're just kind of just taking in suggestions. So once we're in that state, we can um, really create our lives and shape and mold our subconscious mind in a much easier way. So is that also the state where it's best to, I guess, use your affirmations so that you kind of like ingrain those affirmations into your mind? Would you say yes. that? Yes. 100%. That was a good, good lead in, uh, like uh, 100%. Um, I'm sure you've heard of um, personal development gurus say that, you know, when the first time you wake up in the morning and like right before you go to bed are optimal times to do your affirmations or to think of something positive. And the reason is we're actually in a state of hypnosis during those times. So it'll just kind of bypass the critical factor, your, um, your filter, and it'll just go into the subconscious mind. So yeah, like 100%, um, it makes affirmations just so much easier. And uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. You'll have to like feel it for yourself. Um, if, if you'd want to do that without necessarily going to a hypnotist or learning self-hypnosis, um, what I do is uh, I have binaural beats. And you can find them on YouTube, like Theta Waves, binaural beats. Yep. Once you kind of just relax into it, it'll put you in a trance state. It takes a little bit, um, but that's one way to do it. Interesting. Yeah. But I also noticed like during those times, like right, right before I sleep or right when I just wake up, those are the times where I get so much inspiration and ideas. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like your unconscious mind is really active. It is. Yeah. That's that's good. And um, just just on that note, um, as as a hypnotist and, and studying this stuff, um, the unconscious mind is such an amazing resource that we're just not tapped into. And the more I learn about it, it's just. It's like the gateway into, into divinity, into um, imagination. It's, yeah, it's just something we're not utilizing. And we're relying too much on the logical conscious mind and not enough on the unconscious. And everything that, you know, we've talked about, you know, um, of mindfulness and breath work and meditation, all this stuff kind of helps us get into... Be build a relationship with our subconscious. And when we build a good relationship with our subconscious, that actually increases our awareness. And then 
we actually start to have a better relationship with ourselves and understand all of our different patterns and what our parts are trying to do are trying to help us. And from there, we can actually have self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding to self-compassion. So that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, the subconscious mind, it is really, really powerful. And it's also really powerful how like for most of us, we run on auto, autopilot. Yeah. Auto, automated, autopiloted um, patterns and thinking thinkings that happen you know our thinkings from yesterday will be the same as today and mm -hmm. tomorrow mm -hmm. and until we consciously choose to change them or I guess quote-unquote reprogram them then yes. they'll be running the same for the rest of our life without us even knowing yes you're that's so spot on and not to okay I'm just going to say it, right? Like, this is the part of me that's that's judging mm. the world. And I'm looking out in the world, and we're all in this state of hypnosis, essentially. We're just running our unconscious programs, patterns over and over and over. And we're just going through life unconscious. And I think you, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quote him correctly, but um, Carl Jung said something to this effect. I'm paraphrasing. That until we make the unconscious conscious... We will repeat our patterns. We'll go through life and we'll call it fate. We'll call it yep. fate, but it's not fate. It's our unconscious programs running that have, have not been made conscious. And so that's why this work is so important. Um, you can call it inner work, shadow work, whatever work. I don't know. Um, but just <laughs> The label making, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, the label doesn't matter. Like I was um, just on a tangent. I was just talking to another, just a brilliant coach. He's a shadow work coach. Because I was trying, just trying to understand like shadow work because I've never yeah. actually like formally studied it. And so we just had this conversation and I'm like, oh, actually, I've been doing that. I just never labeled it shadow work. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I figured we get to this point. So it's all kind of the same stuff. Um, but the point is making the unconscious conscious. And it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Again, it, it does take work, um, but it is worth it. It is absolutely hundred percent worth it. Yeah. And how, how have you benefited from doing your shadow work? How have you changed? Yeah. Other than in, um, gaining this crazy self-awareness of all my different parts and, and building a better relationship to me. Mm. That's really, I think what it comes down to is when when you're able to understand you and your parts and why they do what they do, um, you can really truly love yourself. You can really truly love yourself because you, you understand that your subconscious mind is not your enemy. It just has some, um, some programming that's outdated. It's, it was trying to help, you know, our subconscious mind is actually really trying to help us. It is. Um, yeah, it's really trying to protect us in so many different ways. Um, but it might not be doing it in the way that uh, we want it to, right? The way that um, maybe is best. And so if we, again, just 
how I've benefited from this is, yeah, just building a relationship with myself. And if trauma is a disconnect with ourself, it's a loss of, of our identity, then reconnection is the answer. Um, so, yeah, I hope that, that answered the question there. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was really beautifully explained, learning how to love each part of you yeah. without judgment. And I really noticed how you, um, like, you as an observer, because you're saying how, like, oh, you see the part of you who's judging or the part of you who was trying to do it correctly. Yeah. And that that self-awareness is just really deep. Yeah. And, and by the way, the, um, using that phrase, using a part of me is that's a beautiful way to um, detach or separate, create space, unblend, whatever you want to call it mm. um, from our thoughts and emotions. Huge things. Like a part of me is feeling this. Well, you're acknowledging the reality that you're experiencing something, right? You're not denying reality. Yep. But um, the language there, a part of me implying that this isn't me right the me is observing this part it's in control the, the i the me is is the self is in control but there's a part of me yeah that might be feeling this but i can have self-compassion i can understand and minister to that part of me right um, accept or let go what what not so even using that phrase has really helped me um create separation and awareness and emotional mastery yeah, and um, I do that as well with my, like, ego or, like, my inner critic, just separating mm. myself from them when they take over. And I guess part of the process, like you were saying, it's all about detaching from that identity. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of our personality is formed by the inner critic or the ego, and we believe mm -hmm. that we are the inner critic or ego. Yeah. And once we learn how to detach, we feel truly free from that. And what I've noticed from my own journey is that um, it starts to change. So I used to have a really critical mind. Yeah. Um, and the critic, the inner critic comes from your most critical parent. So, so... Mm. It was really, really critical. And once I started to do this work, it's pretty much almost dissolved. And now it's kind of like it's turned crazy. into a cheerleader slash encourager. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> and, I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's so powerful. And it's just like, oh, I don't really, I mean, sometimes it still comes up, yeah. but I'm, I'm able to silence it or turn it into like the cheerleader. So yeah. my inner critic kind of dissolved into the cheerleader slash encourager. That's cool. I was going to ask you like, what was the process? How, you know, how that happened? It just kind of naturally happened as you detached and. Um, I think it's really just letting go of the different voices in my mind. Um, 
Yeah, if you want me to explain right now, I can't really think of a specific process because I've been doing a lot of work on myself, connecting with my highest self, working through a lot of subconscious beliefs, core beliefs. Yeah. yeah, so it's really a combination of everything that I've done. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's um, it's weird how... It's weird how that happens. You just, you start learning some things, like combining everything and all of a sudden things start shifting. It is, it's, it's, it's weird, but cool. It is super um, cool. I'm, yeah. I just get really excited. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, yeah. And, and we, we got to get to this state, right? Where it's fun. And it I think is, we yeah. can make, um, and I'm like preaching to myself here. We we can make this inner work so like serious. Like I re- I gotta heal my inner child. And oh yes. I gotta let go of yes. my anger and like yes. it's like so serious and somber and 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 there's so much um, guilt and whatever, right? But like if we make it fun, if it's like a game that we play with ourselves, it just makes it so much um, well one easier. Right. And, and it just yeah. it makes it more effective. So right. Yeah. So right. I think most people go through that phase of like, oh, this is so serious. And then after a while, it's just like, this is not sustainable. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You need, really um, need that balance. Like it's like you got to yeah. do your inner work, your shadow work, your healing, but you also got to have fun and you got to yes. experience that high bliss the high vibration. Yes. And I know we were talking about this um, previously, just like a, like a, a week ago, um, that we have to balance um, the, the shadow work and making the unconscious conscious. And then like, yeah, like what you're saying, like the bliss. Um, I think what you said is where energy, where attention goes, energy flows. Yeah. Like that. My favorite quote. <laughs> huge i remind myself all the time (laughs) yeah no that's really good and um i think we kind of like reached the same conclusion when we were talking that if we just did the shadow work and we just tried to heal everything and focused on all the trauma and all the past things that are wrong with us you know we're kind of be caught in this perpetual cycle um but we balance it out with Focusing on what we want, the bliss, feeling, feeling the courage, the acceptance, the love, peace, bliss, whatever you want to call it. Um, and if we do that, then I think that's really, I think that's really where things start to shift. Yeah. 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 I think it's really us being in a really joyful, blissful, peaceful state. That's when we're in flow and that's when synchronicities happen and yeah. um, things just happen without too much forcing. Right. Yeah. It's a different energy and it's a different perspective. Um, I think there's a time to force, um, you know, for example, exercise. Um, when you lift weights, uh, it's 
it's hard, right? It's just, there's no way about it. But you can get in this flow state to where, even though it's hard, there's this uh, jo- enjoyment in it, right? Yeah. Um, so there is a time to, but I think a higher perspective and an easier way to do it is what you're talking about is the flow. Uh, power versus force, right? It's the power. Or even just setting the intention for, you know, lifting weights is like a really enjoyable thing. And it doesn't have to be like really, really hard. Yeah. Or even finding other exercises that do the same thing besides lifting weights. Yeah. No, no, (laughs) I get you. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Can't think of anything on the spot, but like. Jump roping. I don't know. Mountain climb, a rock climbing. Mountain, rock and climb, yeah, rock yeah. climbing or like fun activities. Yeah, no, that's that's big. Um, just a simple little shift like that, and then all of a sudden you're in enjoyment, you're in flow, and you're still getting all the benefits. That's that's big. And this is not even like like inner work, you know. It's just like no. yeah, what could I do um, <laughs> that could make it fun, like logistics, right? And, and that's a big part, too. Um, the environment, um, exercise, things like that, and your logistics, making it easy so that you can experience the joy and the bliss and whatnot, right? Definitely making it easy to develop small habits, yeah. habits that um, build up over time. It's big, yes. Yeah. Um, actually wanted to share this. It's kind of, um, it's related. Uh, I interviewed a guy a while back. Um, he's also Australian actually. Uh, he does NLP. Great guy. Really great. Solid guy. And if I remember correctly, I asked, cause he used to like be addicted to smoking and alcohol and all these things. And I'm like, what's like, what'd you do? Like, how did you get out of that addiction? And he said he changed his environment. He changed um, the people that he hung out with. Mm. I was not expecting that answer. But that's huge. Your environment, who you're hanging out with, um, just making that shift can help you break an addiction. That's like crazy to me. Um, So that's definitely something to consider. I mean, you are the average of the top five people that you hang out with. So, yeah, just changing the environment. So if you want to, like, develop a habit of exercising, you'll find people who are really, you know, interested in exercising. And that will be, like, a motivation as well. It's big. There's there's almost, like, this energetic shift, I guess. Um, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, there's just – it's a different energy. Once you start to hang out with different people. It is. Yeah. I'm not huge on energy. Um, I'm kind of getting into it. So you probably be more of an expert on that. <laughs> but um, but I'm learning. Yeah, I think we all have something to contribute to this world. Yeah. It is. And... Uh, that's that's a big thing. I know I'm saying like everything that you're saying, that's a big thing. 
because like everything we're saying is so it is it is important um having this sense of purpose if we don't have um meaning or purpose there's it's really hard to not struggle it really really is and i know we were talking about this earlier um about how money it's important but like it doesn't really fulfill you i know um you were mentioning that and and that's 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 true um purpose is something bigger than your money your job whatever it is and i, I guess i was going somewhere with this but um i guess just belaboring the point that believing that we have purpose is probably the one of the most important beliefs we could have even if we're not spiritual even if you're an atheist believing that you have a purpose it will it will drag you out of bed and it will you'll you'll definitely contribute something to the world so yes that definitely resonates and i really i think the best question to ask to find your purpose is i mean this is a question that i ask myself every single day as well so it what was the drum roll drum roll all right drum roll it's... i don't have a drum <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> that's not the point pretend pretend drum okay go pretend ahead pretend drum roll oh, this is what i do with my kids we like do lap lap roll not lap claps lap like we rolls. they clap their they clap their laps so it sounds what? like a drum. Oh, oh, they, okay, gotcha. All right, <laughs> all right, go. I'm, I'm doing the drum roll. Okay, well, the question to ask yourself is, how can I serve by being me? Ooh, that's really Because I really feel like purpose is about serving others. It's about, it's yeah. about learning and sharing what you learn. Yes. And being present and... Um... Building relationships. That's, yeah. How yeah. can I serve? That's really, really, it's really good. Yeah. Oh, I think that was such a lovely conversation today. And we went through so much. Yeah. So much. This, that was a really great ending question. And I'm, I'm feeling it. I love that. And I love this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Justin. Um, such you. a pleasure to chat with you and go through so many like epiphany moments in our conversation where we're just yeah. bouncing ideas off each other. Yeah. I love this stuff. I'm like, I'm sure you can tell I'm very passionate. So thank you so much for, for having me and, and, you know, having this conversation. Yeah, you're so welcome. And if any of my listeners are interested in working with you, what would be the best method of contacting you? Yeah, um, the best method would be through Facebook. And I believe there might be a link um, in the podcast notes, or you can email me, um, redeemyourreality at gmail.com. But definitely, would be Facebook yep and that's really cool maybe um and what type of services are you offering right now 
Yeah. So right now, um, I'm doing free hypnosis. Ever wanted to experience hypnosis? Um, I would love to to serve you in the best way I can. Um, a lot of people go to hypnotists or hypnotherapists for trying to lose weight or quit smoking, but um, this can be applicable to healing the inner child. It be for confidence, for anxiety, whatever it is. There's a lot of applications for hypnosis. Um, I also do a lot of Sedona method. That's how I started. And that's just releasing, kind of letting go of, of different emotions. And so just any way I can, I can help with that. Um, let me know and I'd be happy to, to jump on a call. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so if any of my listeners are interested in working with Justin, um, I will link his Facebook and his details below. And thank you so much for joining, Justin. Thank you. Thank you to the people who are still listening for being on here. I'm really, really grateful and I hope you have a lovely day. See you next time then. Bye. Bye.